0: Unrelated Things. Greetings and welcome to episode 19 of Unrelated Things. This is the place where I talk about things I like or stories that I've seen or heard in the news or online recently that interest or irritate me. You can find out more about Unrelated Things at unrelatedthings.net or follow Unrelated Things on Twitter or on Facebook. If you want to hear more Unrelated Things, then consider leaving a review of Unrelated Things on iTunes, or pop over to the website and you can make a donation or use an affiliate link to make a contribution to Unrelated Things. On to the representation and recommendation. My top pick for episode 19 is Hamill on Trial, a.k.a. Ed Hamill, a fantastic artist and musician who has brought me tons of enjoyment over multiple albums that he has released. Here is a bit from a couple of blurbs on his website Ed Hamill has been hiding in plain sight. Quote, I haven't released an album in six years, but I've been on YouTube. I decided that I would write a song every day for a year and put it online. His motive was practical rather than artistic. Quote, I was trying to stay sober. Say the songwriter who performs punk and anti-folk as Hamill on trial. Punk poet Ed Hamill is not your average guy with an acoustic guitar. Armed with an arsenal of wit and enough character for two people, he rattles off lyrics like a linguistic genius, altering between spoken word and singing while barely taking a breath. A self-described rock and roll lover, Hamill's first album in six years, mixes social issues with comedy, and the music goes from calm strumming to fuller melodic folk rock blues and funk. And one of the things that really attracts me to Ed Hamill and Hamill on trial is his sound. It's, it's him and his guitar and he rocks that guitar like nobody else that I've heard. It's, it's really a mixture of kind of a folk sensibility with a punk attitude and that attitude really, really shines through his latest album which is released recently is called the happiest man in the world and in that title track ed hamill has a conversation with an atm machine
1: sitting on a park bench loving the sun ain't got a nickel but it sure is fun and i gotta say I'm the heaviest man in the world. Well, I went to the ATM when I woke. I almost choked when it spoke, said you are broke, financially depleted, your money is deleted like your hairline, it has receded, it continued to speak, it said it's bleak, your troubles are big, but it offered a solution, a bit of restitution. This ATM was a machine with the means, spilling the beans to pay for my dreams. I said, you're giving me chills. Spit out the bills. I need a tower of gold, the contents of the king's Bill fold. I need the treasure in a pirate's hold. I need cash hard and cold. I'm insatiable from what I've been told. I need the profits of a corporation sold. And if I can be so bold, what Wall Street stole and enough dough to buy rolls and hand tailored clothes and mansions and islands that I have chose. And I don't want to die. I want my body to be froze. Security that'll never dose live sculpture in a perpetual pose i want to be bathed in velvet from my head to my toes i want my teeth capped in gold so when the light goes out my head it glows no sooner had i spoken than that atm spit out a bus token said here's the situation you'll be taking public transportation i was incredulous this is an insult off the charts i said what do i look like cinderella the walmart i felt like a clown as i drove through the town and the bus in the back thought i had riches but i didn't have jack I in the street, trying to comprehend my defeat. And who did I spy with my little eye? But Sheena, with a new life complete. See, she had done time for a serious crime. But after her incarceration, she had given her life a new interpretation by ringing the bell for the salvation of souls. And when they hear the bell toll, they know they are in receipt of a place to eat and a place to warm their feet. I said, look at my friend
0: And that is a bit of the happiest man in... The World by Ed Hamill and Hamill on Trial. Uh, This is from his most recent album. The first song that I heard from Hamill on Trial was called The Vines. It is off of his album The Chord is Mightier Than the Sword. I heard it on the radio and it is basically a story about working on a crew that is trying to manage the vines and their overgrowth um, in this particular area down south but it's it's a great story and it uses that story of the vines as a metaphor for attacking your, your problems or attacking your issues in the right way um, at one point after hacking at the vines day after day after day and not getting anywhere, Ed exclaims, why don't we just start at the roots? Uh, From there, I went on to his album Songs for Parents Who Enjoy Drugs, which has some brilliant, brilliant songs as well. And he's got a great album called Tough Love and a really Fantastic album called Rant and Roll. Honestly, I don't think you can go wrong with any of the music from Ed Hamill and Hamill on Trial. Highly recommend it all. Uh, One of the brilliant lines from one of his songs essentially is: you know, what are you going to do when your kids ask you if you ever did drugs? And His response is, I'm going to lie.
1: Needs rocking on, it won't float. Plane needs hollering on, it won't fly when the eagle's wings are broken and it falls from the sky. Don't tell me not to criticize Don't tell me that my lips are loose. Don't tell me I don't love this place, this place that gave me Lenny Bruce. When you're walking down the street like Malcolm X Or when you eat eating a do lunch, you say, what comes next? A sweet black angel saying something ain't right I can walk these streets into the night I can walk these streets named for Joe or Ramon I can think back on that gabba gabba. Hey, don't tell my brother what I love Like Buddy Haller said, baby, that'll be the day I want to know his freedom fly is a pass through you and me Climbing to the flame America doesn't love me, doesn't it love its people, out on the
0: street losing their homes desperate. A little more from Ed Hamill and Hamill on Trial, so if you like the sound, check him out, buy it all uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed One, one warning uh, Ed is fast and loose with the language, so if uh, some I was gonna say if a few curse words, but if a little more than a few curse words are uh, not something that you're interested in hearing, then maybe steer clear. Um, because Ed tells it as he sees it, and he tells it with uh, colorful language. Um, I, I don't. I don't feel any of that is out of place or detracts from the message, but. It is uh, liberally used throughout, so just be aware. But I highly, highly recommend you check out Ed Hamill and Hamill on Trial. I think if you are interested in like this style of music at all, you will not be disappointed. All right, cool. After Gap Inc. made a pledge back in February to raise its lowest wage tier to $10 per hour over the next few years, the company has made its first move towards that higher minimum wage. Some 31,000 workers will start earning a minimum wage of $9 per hour. Thousands of workers at stores like Gap Banana Republic, Piper Lime, Ethleta, and Intermix are getting the boost as well as others who work in fulfillment and distribution centers for those brands. The company cited analysts who said that the increase in wages, quote, can strengthen our ability to attract and retain a skilled, enthusiastic and engaged workforce. And that quote, investing in our frontline talent will strengthen and deepen relationships with our customers. I think this is pretty much a no brainer. I don't know why they needed analysts to tell them that increased wages will strengthen their ability to attract skilled, enthusiastic, and engaged workers. Um, I think that should be fairly obvious to anybody out there. However, when you have competing priorities and you have shareholders that are you know, looking to get the biggest bang for their buck, anything that might increase the cost of doing business is something that is not looked long, uh, not looked upon lightly by any corporation. The final tick up to the goal of ten dollars per hour at the Gap um, will raise the wages of sixty-five thousand employees. And that will happen next year in June. Yeah, we got to get some of that. Everybody needs to get some of that unless they're already at a level where they're doing better than that. From Jonathan Watts of the Guardian.com No one could accuse Nilsaline Miguel de Lima of being easily afraid. When loggers beat her and burned down her home in La Brea, in the heart of the Brazilian Amazon, the environmental activist refused to give up her struggle. When they killed her dog and frightened away the armed guards who had been sent to protect her, she carried on without them. But after they murdered her fellow campaigners and warned her she would be next, the mother of four finally fled. Today she's in hiding hundreds of miles from home, looking out of the bars on the window of a temporary refuge and wondering what happened to Brazilian justice and the world's interest in protecting the planet's greatest rainforest. Quote, I'll be hiding for the rest of my life. The people who killed my friends and destroyed nature should be the ones in prison, but I'm the one who has no liberty, she says. All I ever did was protect the families who tried to conserve the environment. That is an increasingly dangerous ambition in Brazil, where according to a recent report by Global Witness, more environmental and lands rights campaigners have been killed than the rest of the world put together. Are you kidding me? A story by E.D.W. Lynch from LaughingSquid.com Researchers at Massachusetts Institute of Technology have developed an intriguing material that can change between soft and hard states on command. And can you just imagine this is how this material is described. The amount of jokes that will just write themselves. About this material. The phase changing material. Consisting of a wax coated foam lattice. Softens when exposed to heat. And hardens at room temperature. It is intended for use. In soft and deformable robots. So now the robots. Will be able to remake themselves. Of course. Throw a little extra heat their way. And we can uh, probably defend ourselves. From this particular. Uh, robot invasion when when the robots become sentient. So not enough to need to fear at this point. Uh, you know, based on the method of this substance from change, changing from a soft to a hard state, um, certainly something we can uh, control and overcome when the robots run amok.
2: Oh, my gosh.
0: From Inquisitor.com, Jimmy Carter is calling on the U.S. and Europe to recognize Hamas as a legitimate political actor in his new op-ed in Foreign Policy magazine titled, How to Fix It. Quote, the United States and EU should recognize that Hamas is not just a military, but also a political force. Hamas cannot be wished away, nor will it cooperate in its own demise. Only by recognizing its legitimacy as a political actor, one that represents a substantial portion of the Palestinian people, can the West begin to provide the right incentives for Hamas to lay down its weapons. As for the war itself, Jimmy Carter had some cutting words for Israel saying, quote, "There is no humane or legal justification for the way the Israeli defense forces are conducting this war." Granted, former President Carter did say that Hamas's attacks on Israel were also atrocities, adding, quote, "There is never an excuse for deliberate attacks on civilians in conflict. These are war crimes." So, a message from Jimmy Carter on the current war in Gaza versus Hamas and Israel and some guidance for the world on what he believes is the right direction to take to try to resolve the issues that have led us or led them to this point
2: What the hell is wrong with us?
0: Sarah Espinoza of Albany, New York, went on quite a spree Monday, according to police in the Long Island community of New Hyde Park. First, she did a little shoplifting of a snake, a ball python to be specific, that came from a Petco store in Garden City Park. An employee at the store told the Long Island TV station News 12 that the 22-year-old woman appeared to be shopping at the store when she asked to handle the python, which carried a price tag of $89. But when employees there went to help another customer, she slipped the small snake into her pocket and disappeared from the store. At some point, according to a police report, Espinoza also got drunk, which may explain why she saw fit to wrap the python around her neck. And wear it like a necklace. At least that's how she was found around 7 p.m. after her Toyota Prius jumped a median on Long Island's Jericho Turnpike, crashed into an oncoming Nissan Sentra, then ran off the road completely, smashing through the front door of a firehouse and slamming into not one, but two fire trucks. Police are not yet able to determine if the snake was actually strangling the woman as she was driving, which could have caused a bizarre Prius mishap, or if she was just intoxicated.
2: But it's this kind of stuff that drives me freaking crazy.
0: From latino.foxnews.com. A nine-year-old boy who got separated from his family at the Central Park Zoo says being lost for two hours in New York City was the greatest day of his life. Little flashback to uh, Home Alone version 12 or whichever one episode that, or whichever uh, movie that was where little Kevin spent his time roaming around New York City. But this happened... In real life. The Daily News reports that Chris Villa Villavencio now it's not even close. Well it's close. Chris Villa Vin, of Union City, New Jersey, got separated from his parents and younger sister Saturday afternoon. He left the zoo and wandered around Times Square until police found him at the Port Authority bus terminal more than a mile away. Meanwhile, the boy's panicked parents reported him missing to police in Central Park. When the family was reunited, Chris's father clutched him tightly and wept. The boy told the Daily News, quote, This was the greatest day of my life because this was the first day I was at the police station. Sometimes stuff happens. Sometimes stuff happens. And what's happening in Yellowstone National Park is the roads are melting. Extreme heat from surrounding thermal areas has created a hot spot in Yellowstone National Park, melting a portion of a road and causing temporary closures in the park during the peak summer tourist season. The more than three-mile-long Firehole Lake Drive, an offshoot of the park's Grand Loop, is closed because melting asphalt has turned it into, quote, a soupy mess. Firehole Lake Drive provides access to two of the park's many geysers, Yellowstone sits atop of the caldera of a supervolcano, so temperature fluctuations like this are normal for the park. It is not uncommon for asphalt to become soft and sticky, but the liquefying of pavement that is now occurring is extreme and unusual. It's a sign of the end times. No, not really a sign of the end times. and Actually, rather... A rather common occurrence, just pushed a little bit to the extreme in this case. NBCnews.com reports a woman alarmed other visitors Monday when she jumped a barrier into the lion exhibit at a Tennessee zoo and started singing to the lions while trying to feed them cookies. The woman, who wasn't identified but was described as wearing brown scrubs, was permanently ejected from the Memphis Zoo, where employees were given her photograph in case she ever tried to return. Abby Dane, a spokeswoman for the zoo, told NBC Station that security officers previously noticed the same woman throwing something to the lions last week. She said the woman also tried to feed them cookies during that Incident. Oh boy, howdy. From Nitarama.com, what led to the silence of the crickets on Kauai? So, on the island of Kauai in Hawaii, a researcher named Marlena Zook first noticed the silence of the crickets in 2003. A very noticeable silence compared to when she first started studying the crickets on the island back in 1991, and she knew something was wrong because she continued to see the crickets everywhere, despite their vow of silence. After dissecting a few of the insects, she discovered the source of their silence. The male crickets had developed flat wings that didn't make a sound to avoid being eaten by a parasitic fly. Zuck's team discovered that the crickets were targeted by a parasitic fly whose larvae bury inside them and devour them alive. The flies find the crickets by listening out for their songs, and they're so effective that in the early 1990s they had parasitized a third of the males. In 2002, the cricket population had fallen dramatically, and Zuck thought that they were done for. But the silent males escaped the attention of the fly. As they bred and spread, they carried the flat wing mutation with them. By 2003, the cricket population had rebounded, and in fewer than 20 generations, they had gone from almost all singing to almost all silent. The crickets have become a classic textbook example of rapid revolution. No, of not rapid revolution. They weren't revolting, though some people do find crickets... Revolting, but they were evolving. So the crickets have become a classic textbook example of rapid evolution. I'm not kidding you. From Marybeth Quirk of Consumers. Dot. Calm. No one was injured in an accident with a truck carrying its load of liquid instant potatoes in England over the weekend, though the resulting spillage did cause unsafe driving conditions. Instant mash is covering the road, and cars have skidded as a result of the mash swelling up, a North Yorkshire police spokesperson said. A witness said it looked like the truck was one made for corn or wheat, but it had perhaps been converted to carry a thick liquid. And here's the description of how the pot- instant potatoes covered the road. And my imagination was the truck crashed and broke open or flipped over and broke open and spilled out its contents. But the spillage occurred a little bit differently than that. Quote, it just came over the blind crest of the road and had to hit the brakes as we were all stopped and there was a tractor on the road about a mile in front going very slowly he explained quote when he braked hard the mash went forward and over the front of the trailer and onto the tractor unit so these this thick liquid mashed potatoes was being transported in the back of an open trailer truck Uh, which is, I hope, not a typical or usual method of transporting, you know, liquid mashed potatoes from one place to another. Hopefully these were not intended for human consumption anywhere because I would not like to imagine that any mashed potatoes I am served once resided in the back of an open trailer being transported from place to place on the road.
2: It is inane and terrible.
0: Teens hack an ATM and then show the bank how they did it. By Chris Moran of Consumers.com A pair of teenagers in Winnipeg Used an ATM operator's manual And some good old-fashioned guesswork To gain unauthorized access To a Bank of Montreal ATM The ninth graders tell the Winnipeg Sun That they'd found the old manual online And found information on accessing The ATM's operator mode And so it was off to their local Safeway Where BMO has an ATM Quote, we thought it would be fun to try it, but we were not expecting it to work, said one of the youngsters. At some point in the process, the ATM required a password from the operator. So the teens used a, quote, common default password with six digits, and they got into the system on their first try. After that, they went over to a nearby BMO branch to alert them just how easily the machine had been accessed But, being teens, the bank staffer assumed they had done something teen-like and lost their pin. No, 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 we hacked your ATM. We got into the operator mode, one of them told the employee. He said that wasn't really possible, and we don't have any proof that we did it. The boys then asked if it was okay for them to demonstrate what they had done, to which the bank staffer allegedly replied, Yeah, sure, but you'll never be able to get anything out of it. So it was back to the ATM where the teens were able to access info about how much money was in the machine, how many withdrawals happened that day, and how much it had earned in surcharges. Quote, then I found a way to change the surcharge amount, so I changed, changed the surcharge amount to one cent, says one teen, who claims they also changed the ATM greeting from, welcome to the BTO, BMO, ATM, to, go away, this ATM has been hacked. With this evidence in hand, they returned to the bank where they were no longer dismissed as pranksters or morons. The, bank, the branch manager took the issue to bank security. I don't even know where to start. Well, the Uxbridge, Massachusetts police uh, knew where to start with their request. Someone out there in Uxbridge, Massachusetts town near nearby where my wife uh, grew up, um, is standing on train bridges and defecating on passing locomotives, and the police would like these people to stop. The part where they ask folks to stop crapping on trains is drawing headlines, but the more serious issue is that some graffiti artists left their cans on the tracks, and authorities are worried that metal cans or other debris could cause a derailment. The department has harsh words for the poopers, though, warning that anyone caught in the act will be charged with everything that the police possibly can, perhaps indecent exposure or being super gross in public. Quote, take this as a warning. If you are caught on the railroad tracks, you will be arrested for trespassing. If you are caught tagging any property, you will be arrested. If we catch you with your pants down, defecating on the train, you'll be charged with everything we can find that fits the elements. To the crime. It's horrid. In Oakland, Maine, police in the main town of Oakland say a pig that menaced two children walking through the woods has scared another passerby. They've now closed the walking trail near two schools where the pig has been seen. Police said the pig confronted the children walking along the trail last week and was, quote, screaming at the kids and chasing them. The Morning Sentinel reports that following that scare, a woman took refuge on the side rail of a wooden bridge on Monday after seeing the 80-pound black-and-white pig. She wasn't attacked. At that time, police searched for the pig but found only tracks. And But since that time, this story was from the middle of July, since that time the police have tracked down the wayward pig and captured it and returned it to its owner. They don't want to talk about it. From popularresistance.org. On July 10, grandmother of three Mary Ann Grady Flores was sentenced to one year in prison after being found guilty of violating an order of protection. A packed courtroom of over 100 supporters was stunned as she was led away and vowed to continue the resistance. These orders of protection, typically used in domestic violence situations or to protect a victim or witness to a crime, have been issued to people participating in nonviolent resistance actions at Hancock Air Base since late 2012. The base near Syracuse, New York pilots unmanned Reaper drones over Afghanistan and trains drone pilots, sensor operators, and maintenance technicians. The orders had been issued to, quote, protect Colonel Earl Evans, Hancock's mission support commander who wanted to keep protesters, quote, out of his driveway. Marianne began her sentencing statement with Your Honor, a series of judicial perversions brings me here before you tonight. She concluded that the final perversion is the reversal of who is the real victim here, the commander of a military base whose drones kill innocent people halfway around the world, or those innocent people themselves who are the real ones in need of protection from the terror of U.S. drone attacks. Judge Gideon sentenced Mary Ann to the maximum of a year in prison. As he imposed his sentence, the judge referred to his previous Hancock decision. He had stated then and insinuated now, quote, this has got to stop. In addition, Mary Ann was fined $1,000 plus a $205 court surcharge and a $50 fee to have her DNA collected. So here we are. Prosecuting the people who are non-violently protesting the actions taken by our military in flying drones in Afghanistan, um, where our drones are known to not only spy on what's going on, but to attack people on the ground, um, and in some cases, you know, kill innocent. Men, women, and children who have no connection and no relation to any terrorist group that our government feels the need to target. By saying stuff like this, you're setting yourself up. From Brandon Hicks, CBA.ca. Neymar investigated by FIFA for underwear violation. The Brazilian star, according to Yahoo, is being investigated by FIFA for not wearing sanctioned underwear during the team's match against Cameroon. Unsanctioned underwear, if you are curious, is any undergarment that isn't made by a company sponsoring the 2014 World Cup. Neymar's underwear was partially exposed when he swapped shirts after the win over Cameroon. Twitter sleuths noticed that Neymar changed into the alleged illegal underpants at halftime, which appear to be in the pattern of the Brazilian flag.
2: That we have complete and utter freedom of speech uh, for the most part.
0: From HuffingtonPost.com, a story that I spoke about. In an earlier episode about the New Jersey deal with Verizon To roll out high-speed fiber internet service throughout the state On May 27, 2014, the New Jersey Division of Rate Counsel Filed with the Superior Court Appellate Division A Notice of Appeal to Halt a Stipulation Agreement between the New Jersey Board of Public Utilities and Verizon, New Jersey to erase a 20-year plan called Opportunity, New Jersey. The New York Times has tracked the fiber optic plans for New Jersey since 1991. They wrote, quote, a $1 billion plan by New Jersey Bell to make New Jersey the first state to have fiber optic communications available to virtually every household and business. With fiber optics, New Jersey Bell officials say they can create a vast network of high-speed audio, video, and data services that will revolutionize the way residents and businesses in the state communicate. Mr. Bone, president of New Jersey Bell, said, A quote, fully fiber network would provide consumers with unprecedented access to information and entertainment services and would encourage economic development as well. And New Jersey Bell became Bell Atlantic, New Jersey as the once broken up uh, giant Bell company started to recombine into a new version of its former self. It's like some sort of uh, blob monster that you chop into pieces only to find out that those pieces seek each other out and recombine in a new form. And so New Jersey Bell became Bell Atlantic New Jersey and now Verizon New Jersey. In 1993, the New Jersey Board of Public Utilities agreed to Verizon New Jersey's plan called Operation Opportunity New Jersey, and there was a trade-off. Verizon would replace the aging copper wires of the state utility networks, commonly called the PSTN, with fiber optic wires that could supply 45 megabits per second or better, in both directions, to 100% of their territories by the year 2010. And in exchange for these upgrades, the Verizon, Verizon received massive financial incentives to do this work. The excess profits would be used for the new construction. By the end of 2013, Verizon New Jersey had collected over $15 billion in excess profits and tax perks for these upgrades. Verizon deployed virtually no residential fiber optic networks from '93 through 2006 in New Jersey, even though every year the company supplied annual infrastructure reports that claimed that they had fulfilled their obligations. In 2007, Verizon New Jersey started to roll out Fios cable TV over a, quote, Title II Common Carriage FTTP telecommunication network based on the cable TV franchise, which was renewed in 2014. Only 70 out of 526 municipalities are required to be completely upgraded. And yet, on April 23, 2014, Verizon New Jersey and the New Jersey BPU signed a stipulation agreement that erases any obligations of Verizon New Jersey to upgrade to fiber optics, leaving about 50% of their territory incomplete. Worse, the agreement allows the company to substitute any service that is the equivalent of DSL and thus would only be required if there is no other company offering service, including wireless. So the state is looking to let Verizon New Jersey out of its commitment, of which it has earned in the neighborhood of $15 billion or more over the last 20 years, uh, the state is now looking to let Verizon out of the commitments it made in exchange for those profits, but is not requesting any repayment of the profits made. This is another another case of the corporate world ripping off the state and thereby ripping off the citizens by demanding, And being granted, you know, huge breaks to be able to reap their huge profits, but not living up to and not delivering on the promises that they made. It's just bad. From dot. For citizens of Myanmar, tattooing a map of their country below the waist is now punishable by a three-year jail sentence and a fine equivalent to over 200 U.S. dollars. Mandalay Region Advocate General Yu Ang Mayant said of the new ban, Quote, We can accept this symbol tattooed on the upper part of the body because it might demonstrate the wearer's pride in their country, but a tattoo on the lower part disgraces the country's pride. Although the Myanmar map is an abstract image, it has gracefulness, and we should prevent such disgrace befalling the country. We live in a
2: very different time now.
0: From Marybeth Quirk of consumerist.com A gentleman turned in a library book recently that was 61 years late. As one might expect, there was a hefty fee for such a tardy return, reports the University of Liverpool, where Ron had been a student decades ago. He technically owed up to £4,500, or around $7,600 for the borrowed book. Back in 1953, the man was working as a research student at the university, and liked the book so much he decided to keep it when he moved to London to continue his work. But years later, when he went to slim down his collection of books, he realized he'd kept the tome a bit too long. When his son-in-law took him on a recent tour of his old Liverpool haunts, he stopped by the library to drop off the overdue book. University librarian decided to be lenient in this one case, noting that while overdue books are a serious matter, he decided to remit the fine on condition that Ron Ron agreed to henceforth live an exemplary life and return all his books on time. I'm going to move on now. Crime is everywhere, and while statistically speaking... Crime is on the decline, especially violent crime. We still find too many situations where that crime strikes. A story by David Moy from HuffingtonPost.com Most thieves steal money, jewels, or cars, but a knife-wielding thug in Adelaide, Australia is interested in a far less valuable commodity, Krispy Kreme Donuts. Since the country's first Krispy Kreme opened in Adelaide on July 4, there has been a line out the door from Australians ready to trade their Vegemite for glazed donuts. But what was a sweet event for pastry lovers was tinged with a sour note, July 16, when two teenagers were robbed of six boxes of donuts. The teen victims told police they were getting in their car when a man approached them and threatened them with a knife. He then demanded the pair stay in the car while he grabbed the glazed donuts from the back seat and hightailed it out of there. Who are these
2: douchebags and how quickly can we get them and how terrible can we make their punishment?
0: From Sam Frizzell of Time.com New data show that the 13 states that raised the minimum wage this year are adding jobs at a faster pace than those who did not. State-by-state hiring data released Friday by the Labor Department revealed that in the 13 states that boosted minimum wages at the beginning of this year, the number of jobs grew an average of 0.85% from January to June. The average in the other 37 states was 0.61%. So, a lot of people were complaining about the increases in the minimum wage or even complaining about future proposed increases in the minimum wage that they will have a significant impact on job creation. And as we see from recent data from states that did increase their minimum wage at the beginning of this year, those states have not seen a decrease in their job creation that has put them below the average job creation of the country. Apple has changed the iOS in or will be changing the iOS operating system in the upcoming version so that the operating system will hide the real unique Media Access Control, or Mac, address of an iPhone or iPad that's scanning Wi-Fi networks. By generating a random locally administered Mac address in place of a universal address, Apple devices running iOS 8 will stymie some marketers and advertisers looking to slurp up your location data, browsing patterns, personal info, and more. The Mac address is something that uniquely identifies your specific Phone and there, thereby, can allow anybody who can see and track that number um, would allow them to know your whereby, your whereabouts or how frequently you appear in specific places. The retail world and some sports stadiums um, and other public places ha, are looking into exploring ways. To find out more about their visitors and one of those ways is through using this Mac address tracking so this new version iOS 8 and its randomized Mac address generation will put a damper on them being able to uniquely identify individual phones um, and their recurrence In the location when they're trying to collect that data on their visitors.
2: This is the worst radio ever.
0: Well, it's about to get better, except for this one person who's in the next story. An unnamed U.S. student had to be rescued by 22 firemen after he got trapped in a giant vagina sculpture in Germany. According to De La Hara, the, twi- the 32-ton sculpture made out of red Veronese marble is meant to signify, quote, the gateway to the world. Police confirmed that the firefighters turned midwives delivered the student, quote, by hand and without the application of tools. I think
2: you just nailed it.
0: IKEA to hike minimum wage to $10.76 per hour. Story by Chris Moran at consumerist.com. About half of IKEA's 13,600 U.S. employees are going to get a modest raise in the new year, with the world's largest furniture retailer announcing that it will raise its starting hourly wage from 9 17 to 10 76 starting in January. Quote, the happier the co-worker, the happier the customer, and the better the overall shopping experience, said IKEA's acting U.S. President Rob Olson in a statement. We wanted to be less concerned about the competition and more concerned about offering our co-workers a better everyday life. The IKEA increase comes as a growing number of retail workers around the country have called for their employers to increase their wages or for the government to raise minimum wage levels. It also comes at a time when some other corporations, most notably Gap Inc., have made similar decisions to increase their starting and base wages and lift up um, significant segments of their employee population with higher wages. Hopefully, this is the tip of an iceberg that will lead to significant uh, widespread similar choices and decisions um, among companies to take steps to make their employees happier and be able to attract better quality employees. And it will lead to the hopefully happier, better quality employees will lead to better service when we go out there And shop. There's a lot of places that that the services is not strong, but there are also a lot of places where the wages that people are earning there, you know, really don't support um, the hard work that is necessary for those employees to do a good job. So hopefully we'll all benefit from higher wages for retail employees. I think the economy will certainly benefit the having a a slightly smaller amount of those dollars going into the profits of the company, which isn't even necessarily the case if in fact the companies spend a little bit more on wages, but that in return gets them higher quality employees. That should certainly pay for itself, and those companies will see similar or even higher profits in the long run. So it's an investment in which everybody can win.
2: If you want a sign that humanity still got it
0: going on, In Brixton, southwest London, hundreds of businesses will soon integrate iBeacons as part of one of the first real-world networks for mobile payments using Apple's Bluetooth LE iBeacon tech. In Brixton, businesses introduced a local currency in 2009 that eventually switched from paper into mobile payments by text. Around 250 businesses in the area accept the currency, which is meant to keep the money in the community and support smaller, independent local businesses. By the starting of next month, the currency will have its own mobile app called Brixton Pound, and iBeacons will make it easy to automatically prompt users for payments. The Brixton Pound organization teamed up with Dingo for a payment solution. Upon stepping inside a business that accepts the Brixton Pound, the app will automatically prepare a shortcut right on the lock screen of the phone. This feature will enable enable users to pay for everything in a few seconds with no searching or typing. Thanks to the use of iBeacon technology and small Bluetooth devices.
2: And now you're supposed to just go ahead and move on.
0: Okay, then let's go ahead and move on. We may have officially reached the peak, Florida. Now that a woman named Crystal Metheny has been arrested for shooting a missile into an occupied vehicle, and it's fun to really pronounce her name, Crystal Metheny. But in all in all honesty, in all honesty, her name is probably pronounced Metheny as in Pat Metheny, but Crystal Metheny just rolls off the tongue so much nicer. Ms. Metheny was arrested last month after violating Florida Statute 790.19, which refers to, quote, shooting into or throwing deadly missiles into dwellings, public or private buildings, occupied or not occupied, vessels, aircraft, buses, railroad cars, streetcars, or other vehicles. So, it's, it's uh, interesting language in the law that she was arrested for violating, throwing deadly missiles when indeed, in fact, she was arrested for shooting at a vehicle. But Crystal Metheny arrested in Florida. I've never heard dumber dialogue. <laughs> If you listen to an earlier episode of Unrelated Things, you'll remember a story about a gentleman in Maine who the police were called on after he answered his door with what appeared to be a gun sticking out of the waistband of his pants. Well, he is back in the news. From Madison, Maine, police in Maine say a man with a realistic-looking tattoo of a gun on his stomach had the real thing tucked into his waistband when he was arrested. Police tell the Morning Sentinel that 41-year-old Michael Smith of Norwich Walk showed up at a sheriff deputy's home Thursday night. He was charged with stealing drugs and the gun was confiscated. Smith had made headlines in March when members of a tree removal crew reported that he had a gun, but the gun, at that time, turned out to be his tattoo. Look at that! Comcast to finally refund woman for 13 years of service she paid for but never received. From Laura Northrop at Consumers.com, an 88-year-old woman in Florida is on a fixed income but enjoys watching telenovelas, so she dutifully paid her $29 Comcast cable bill every month. There's one small problem with that, though. Comcast wasn't providing her with any cable service. The condominium building where she lives provides cable to all residents through a different company that is not Comcast. The building switched providers from Comcast to Charter back in 2000. Yes, that's right. She's been paying for cable service that she didn't get for more than 13 years. When the ex-customer asked for a refund of her inadvertent donations to Comcast, the company said that they could give her a six-month refund. That's $174, when they really owe her more than $4,500. When asked what she wants from Comcast, the woman replied, Give me my money back, because I paid them for so many years, and they're rich. They are rich, and I am poor. Her grandson contacted local news station, which prompted another investigation of the overpayment. Surprise! This time, Comcast concluded that it had billed her in error for all those years, and would be providing a full refund. Oh. (laughs) Wait— From Nidorama.com, for the first time, a troop of chimpanzees have been observed participating in a fad, a meme, or actually a fashion statement. The trend is to wear a blade of grass sticking out of one ear. It's become a tradition among chimps of one troop in Zambia. This behavior was written up by Edwin van Leeuwen of the Max Planck Institute in the Netherlands. It started when a chimp named Julie put grass in one ear. Seven of the eleven chimps in her troop were soon wearing grass in one ear and continued even after Julie's death. There is no known advantage to grass in the ear, especially in just one ear. To figure out if this was really a tradition and not just chimpanzees sticking grass in their ears at random, Van Leeuwen and his colleagues spent a year observing four chimp groups in Chimfunchi Wildlife Orphanage Trust, a sanctuary in Zambia. Only one troop performed the grass-in-ear behavior, although all of the chimps lived in the same grassy territory. There's no genetic or ecological factors, the scientists believe, that would account for this behavior. Only culture.
2: And that's just the way it is.
0: From inquisitor.com. Five-time felon Bobby Lee Pearson was killed just hours after a jury freed him by mistake. Eight of twelve jurors in the Superior Court believed Pearson was guilty, but not all of them agreed on a verdict. They were supposed to give the judge a note saying they were deadlocked. This meant a mistrial, which might have led to a retrial. Two forms were handed to the jury, one for guilty and one for not guilty. They didn't see a form for deadlocked, so they turned in the not guilty form. Since the verdict was read and put on record by the time the judge caught the mistake, it was too late. Quote, I can't change it because double jeopardy has already attached. This has never happened to me in more than 100 jury trials that I have done. After Bobby Lee Pearson was released, he went to his sister's home to retrieve some of his belongings. At some point, he got into a fight with her boyfriend, Willie Gray, aged 35. With a bad history between them, it didn't end well. Fresno Police Chief Jerry Dyer said investigators suspect Gray of killing Pearson. The freedman was discovered dead on the street from a bullet or knife wound on his chest and a cut on his stomach. A steak knife was found near his body.
2: I'm not finding any redeeming value in it.
0: From Inquisitor.com, a 20-foot-long boa constrictor snake is loose in New Jersey's Lake Hopatcong. The snake is stirring up all kinds of worry around the state's largest lake, especially for neighbors. CBS New York reports that residents in the area don't know where the snake might be lurking. Resident Michelle Poley and her boyfriend have spotted the snake swimming in the lake for about two weeks. It even ventured into their boathouse, she says. It's scary because you don't know where he's creeping from, so we just want it caught. A dozen different sightings have been reported of the loose boa constrictor. Kong animal control officers estimate that the snake is between 15 and 20 feet long. Lake visitors are strongly urged to use caution around the water. Animal Control Officer Dale Sloat says, quote, what we're afraid of is the animals, small dogs, cats, raccoons, and I would advise people not to put their baby in the lake. A snake this size can probably swim about 25 miles per hour. Sloat says they definitely need to catch the reptile. He believes the boa constrictor was once a pet, but it got too big for the owner to take care of. And an update from when this story was written Despite a dozen different sightings and eyewitness accounts, um, the authorities did spend quite a bit of time searching for that snake and trying to capture it and were definitely not successful having seen not a sign of the snake in their efforts. What did you expect? Here's a story from BuzzFeed.com by Miriam Berger. It is called Everything You Need to Know About the Deadly Extremist Group Ravaging Iraq and Syria. The Islamic State in Iraq and Syria, known as ISIS, took over the Iraqi city of Mosul this week, raising fears from Baghdad to Washington that the group could achieve its deadly aim to create its own ultra-violent state starting in Iraq and Syria. ISIS formed as an al-Qaeda offshoot a decade ago following the controversial U.S.-led invasion of Iraq and the bloody Sunni insurgency and destabilizing civil war that followed. And I'm going to diverge for a little side note here that Al-Qaeda was not present in Iraq before the U.S.-Iraq war that deposed Saddam Hussein. While Saddam Hussein was a tyrant, he was one who the U.S. had previously supported, and he had no tolerance for Al-Qaeda or their, their type of um, Islamic fundamentalist terrorist tactics and it was not there and not present did not have a foothold in iraq before he was deposed and we left the country a mess not that it wasn't a mess prior but it was certainly a mess after now i will get back into the information about isis ISIS resurged after the Syrian conflict started to escalate in 2011. ISIS is fighting for an Islamist state in Iraq and Syria. The two countries were designated as distinct states by the 1916 Sykes-Picot agreement between Britain and France, which drew largely arbitrary national borders in the Middle East. And I'll diverge again because this was is a common tactic for uh for failing empires to divide up land that they are not going to try to directly control is to draw the borders in that land to separate indigenous groups, to split them apart, and to artificially group different indigenous groups together, which then creates weak states because it is expected and is commonly the case that those disparate indigenous groups will fight amongst themselves and not create such a strong state that they can dominate an area and fight against their neighbors. This has caused a lot of the tragedies in the Middle East. This has caused a lot of the tragedies in Africa when the British and others drew those borders in such a way that caused additional strife and additional fighting within countries and between countries um just because the borders did not naturally encompass groups that were that that shared cultures and and shared you know a lot of ideology so it's a tactic that is just devastating to the populations that are left behind. Today ISIS has an estimated six thousand fighters in Iraq and five thousand in Syria, according to The Economist. In Syria, an estimated three thousand are foreign, including about a thousand from Chechnya and hundreds from France, Britain, Belgium, and elsewhere in Europe. ISIS survives in part thanks to funding from global jihadi groups. In Syria, ISIS quickly gained ground, attracting other rebels with its reputation as being among the most fearsome and most fundamentalist. ISIS conquered the eastern Syrian city of Raqqa in 2013 and claimed it as the capital of its expanding state. In February, Al-Qaeda's official proxy in Syria, the al-Nusra Front, joined forces with other Syrian rebels to oust ISIS. The campaign was initially somewhat successful, but in the months since, ISIS has kept expanding. At the same time in Iraq, ISIS has preyed off long-simmering political instability to gain control of Anbar province in the West. Unlike in Syria, ISIS in Iraq draws significant local support from groups angry with the Iraqi government and police. Many Iraqis, particularly Sunnis, accuse the Shia-dominated Iraqi government and security forces of widespread corruption and abuse. 2014 has already been a very deadly and dangerous year around Iraq, with headlines reminiscent of the bloody days after the US-led invasion in 2003. In January, ISIS seized control of Fallujah and much of nearby Ramadi near Syria's border, Fallujah was the center of the Sunni insurgency against the U.S. The city's capture was a significant tactical and symbolic defeat for the Iraqi government. Over the next six months, ISIS continued to terrorize Iraqi troops and form alliances with tribes and local militias. The violence forced around half a million Iraqis to flee Anbar province. After months of small battles, on June 10, ISIS seized control of Mosul, Iraq's second largest city. Iraq's poorly trained and resourced soldiers abandoned the city and their U.S. tanks and weapons to the invading militants. This was a huge coup for ISIS because of those weapons that they were able to capture in taking over Mosul and in the abandonment of those weapons from the Iraqi soldiers. Um, It really strengthened ISIS's position in Iraq there are now tens of thousands of refugees that are that are trapped in the mountains and the US is now bombing ISIS positions and bombing those US tanks and weapons that ISIS captured from the Iraqi army who who retreated so We're now bombing our own weapons uh, in Iraq, which is kind of par for the course for us. We give our support where it's maybe ill-advised, and then those weapons are turned back on us. Um, These circumstances are maybe a little different than others, um, but we would be better off in this specific situation... If we hadn't put those arms in there in the first place, but we need to go way back and not, not start the U.S.-Iraq war, and we need to go back further and do a, a thousand things differently over our history to prevent the situation that we have helped create on the ground there now. ISIS fighters continue to advance and cease Crete and surrounding towns. Images of ISIS with U.S. tanks in Iraq and Syria sent shockwaves worldwide. The official Iraqi response has been tepid on Thursday. Parliament met but failed to reach the necessary quorum to declare a state of emergency. Iran has deployed troops to Iraq to support the government there and calls for stopping the Sunni insurgents. So it is it is a mess we are responsible for in large part, you know, between the British and the French drawing the borders where they have and creating uh, ghettoized areas within countries. It's It's what divided the Kurds between Iran, Iraq, and Turkey, was the drawing of those borders to split up the Kurdish population. It is a legacy that the modern world has earned through the uh, empires that have previously ruled and the powers that have previously ruled and had made really poor decisions in... You know, relinquishing their power and not allowing self-determination among people across the world. So we got ourselves into this. The path forward is a a terrible one um, because of how far we've moved in this same direction. To Stop and shift gears and change our direction at this point will take an extraordinary effort.
2: Very well said.
0: That will wrap up episode 19 of Unrelated Things. I hope you enjoyed the stories that I brought to you this episode. Thank you for listening. If you want additional information, check out unrelatedthings.net or follow Unrelated Things on Twitter. Thanks for listening. It's Unrelated Things.